Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us as we continue on in a series we're doing called Staying Present in the Presence. And uh, we're very happy to have you with us as we uh, continue on in this series together. Um, I just had this thought that uh, we, we just did our big night of thanks Wednesday. I wanted to thank um, all, everybody to make that happen. Uh, what a night we had. Um, we figured we probably had served 550 to 600 dinners. Um, everybody seemed to enjoy themselves from what we could tell. It, it went very well, organized. And uh, just the massive quantity of food it takes to make that happen. That so impressed me um, uh, to watch what went on. And, uh, and, and thank you so much for bringing side dishes and desserts. The desserts were amazing. I couldn't believe it. We had a room full of desserts. They took pictures of it. Uh, I'd never seen that many desserts in one place. And, uh, and they got eaten. That's what fascinated me. And they, they deep fried 44 turkeys. Those got eaten. And you guys brought in all sorts of stuff. So <clears throat> there wasn't anything left. We, had some, we were able to get some to-go boxes out towards the end. But thank you. Uh, for making that happen. It, it becomes sort of the talk of the area, which is what we're looking for. Um, we want people to talk and, and wonder and uh, ask questions. I, I hear it all the time. How do you do that? How do you do that? How do you do that? And I think, yeah. We're just trying to figure out what the Father's doing and do that, and He seems to supply. And uh, it goes beyond making sense, and that's why we call it radical hospitality and radical generosity. It doesn't make sense. Um, but uh, God meets us there, and it's very cool. So thank you so much, everybody, for making that happen um, this weekend. We, in this series, uh, we're talking about staying present in the presence of God. We looked uh, for almost most of this year about connecting with God in what we call developing a disciple's heart. This series um, is... is sort of us looking at how do we stay connected throughout the day? How do we stay present in the presence of God? We're using the Gospel of Luke primary as our foundation because uh, Luke records for us very well the humanity of Jesus. We know that Jesus was fully God and fully man, but from, Jesus, uh, from Luke's perspective, we get to see the humanity of, of Jesus quite a bit in that we get to see him going off by himself and praying and getting connected with God and then moving into the ministry that God has for him. And so um, we're looking at him, as always, as our model for life and ministry through encounters that he has in the book of Luke with people and situations to figure out what we can learn in the process. We've been moving right along in the book, uh, in, the book of, in the book of Luke, the book, <laughs> in the gospel of Luke, and uh, we got to Luke 6. And Luke has an account of the Beatitudes. They're not as detailed as Matthew's account. And it, it just seemed to me that the attitudes, the Beatitudes are so important for staying present in the presence that we needed to do a little sub-series, uh, which is what we're doing now. So we've got a comma in Luke 6, and we just popped over into Matthew 5 for a little bit, and we're running through the Beatitudes together to see what we can learn in the process. We talked about Matthew 5, 3. We called that the attitude of humility. We looked at Matthew 5, 4. We called it the attitude of reality. Matthew 5, 5 was the attitude of gentleness. And we looked at the fact that our inheritance is one more. Last week, we were in Matthew 5, 6. We called that the attitude of living by doing the next right thing. This week, we're going to be in Matthew 5, 7. But before we get in there, just to change the direction a little bit, I thought I would hit you with a couple of really bad Thanksgiving jokes. And uh, you can hang on to them for next year in case you need them. All right? 
So, here we go. What is a turkey's favorite song? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. <laughs> why is that funny? Well, I'll tell you why. And I hate having to explain jokes. Because a turkey is hoping that he makes it through till Christmas. What smells the best at a Thanksgiving dinner? Your nose. <laughs> Scripture reading, hallelujah. Put it here on purpose. Thank you, Lord, for your word <laughs> in more ways than one. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Think about that as we dig into our scripture today, uh, Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. We're going to talk about mercy today and I'm going to call this the attitude of love in action. Mercy is love in action. See, mercy is, is more than just feeling sorry for people, it's doing something. And I'm, I'm thinking as we, we look at an encounter that Jesus has in the book of John today, um, you're going to see a connection between mercy and love in action in this encounter that Jesus has with a man who's been afflicted by a crippling disease for 38 years. And this account is in John chapter 5. It's one of my favorite accounts uh, and encounters that Jesus has because I love the interaction and I love what takes place. So let's look at that together. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. It says this, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well, sir? The invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Now what can we learn from this encounter? First, and one of the major things that I want you to see here, is that Jesus notices this guy, which is extremely important because um, in, in what we find out about this guy, he's alone, and he's been alone for a very long time. And it's like no one has seen him for years. And see, what we need to know as we, we think about mercy and love in action is that there are people like this all around us. They're stuck in all sorts of afflictions, and yet they just kind of slip into the scenery. And, and there's people like this everywhere we go. There's people in this condition all around us, and we just don't see them. This, and they, sort of be, they almost become invisible. It, it goes on for so long that, that people just stop noticing them 
all together. But Jesus, this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus sees this guy. And he goes and he asks him this question. And people think, well, that's kind of a strange question. Uh, The question that he asks, and is really the question of the ages, is this. Do you want to get well? That's an important question, even as it relates to love and action and mercy, because we have to kind of weigh this in into the process. Do you want to get well? Are you willing to do what it takes? Or do you just wish, do you just wish things would get better, but not require change on your part? See, now sometimes that's what people want. They, 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 they sort of want to get well, but not if they really have to change things. And at some level, when you've been in a certain condition and situation for a long time, you might sort of act like you want to change, but you really don't want to do what it takes to change. You're not willing to do anything different. And, and it's, a, it's a great question. And, and it's a question we have to ask ourselves all the time. Do we really want to get well as, as followers of Jesus? Do we really want to change in areas of our lives? Or is our hope that just things get better and we don't have to change too much? We want to kind of keep doing what we're doing, but we'd like for things to get better. And uh, that God would just kind of do that. And we don't really have to do much on our own part. We're kind of look to him to do it. And see, it, it, I've figured out it doesn't really work that way, right? Most of you, if you're still waiting, you, you, you end up like this guy, just kind of stuck in the process. But this man's response is that he was willing, but he didn't have any help. And if he just had some help, then, then things would have been different. See, that's what we're looking for. That's mercy in action. We're, we're going to look and ask God to help us see who really needs just a little bit of help. Because they really do want to change. And, and see what we can do in that process. But over time... Um, this guy had lost hope. And so he'd just been, been there for a long, long time. 38 years, a long time. To be sitting, waiting. No changes. Not able to do or live, you know, real life. In any way, shape, or form. So Jesus loves him well. Shows him mercy. In this case, what Jesus does for the guy is he gives him supernatural direction. Which this guy chooses to follow. And in fact, he's made well. The part was he had to do what Jesus told him to do in order to get well, which is pick up your mat and walk. If the guy hadn't done that, things wouldn't have changed. So Jesus gives him supernatural direction, which the man follows, and he's changed. And, and in this, you, you need to hear this too, choosing to follow the supernatural direction of Jesus is the way to wholeness for all of us. We need to do what he says. That's, that's how it works. He, he gives us a whole book full of stuff that we really need to be doing if we want to experience real life. Sometimes we get stuck because we sort of rather do it our way and then hope that you know, they would just happen without us going along. But, but really, that's the deal. The way to wholeness, the way to a whole life is following the supernatural direction of Jesus in our lives. So let's talk about this in a practical way. How can we be a, a people of mercy? How can we be a people of love in action. First point in your notes is this. We have to look for what the Father is doing. This is significant. We have to look for what the Father is doing. Now this healing takes place on a Sabbath. And, and the leaders of the established religious community were very upset with Jesus for doing this. We've had these discussions before. Um, they, 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 because they were so stuck in their, in their tiny box of how they viewed God, they couldn't see Him at work and they missed the blessing of sharing in the joy of this guy's healing because of the way that it took place, which was outside of their sort of box they had God in. And this is what Jesus says to them. He says in in verse 19, I tell you the truth. 
The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Now, this is significant. Jesus is our model. And what he tells us is, listen, I'm not out there just kind of going willy-nilly, whatever I want to do. I'm looking, willy-nilly, sorry. I'm looking for what the Father is doing. Because that's what I want to do. That's where we're going to make the connection. That's where life is found. We're already connected with God. We started that way. We should be able to move this into our lives and begin to see what the Father is up to. Now, at this pool... Um, we're told at the Pool of Bethesda that there's a lot of people there in extremely difficult situations. But Jesus was drawn to this guy. That's just the way it happened at this point in time, at this encounter, that's what was going on. There's a lot of people in need there, a lot of people. But Jesus saw that the Father was working with this guy. It was this guy's opportunity with Jesus for what was to take place. See, sometimes we can get overwhelmed with the amount of need that's all around us because we'll start to see it and it'll, it'll, it'll completely overwhelm us. And a lot of times it, the need is so overwhelming, what we do is we just check out because we think, well, what can I do? I'm just one person and, then, and we just don't do anything. That's what happens. That's kind of the knee-jerk response. The need is so overwhelming, I can't do anything, so I'm not gonna. What could I do? Just one person. See, but what we need to be doing is looking for what the Father's doing with us. That's all we need to worry about. He takes care of everything else. There's other people around to take care of the, the, the other, the things that overwhelm us. As long as we're looking for what the Father is doing, that he wants us to do. Because that's what he's going to show us, what it is that he wants us to do. And then we need to be willing to do the second thing, which is to help the hurting. To help the hurting. Proverbs 3.27, this is out of the message paraphrase, says, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. I like it. Don't walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. So we, we have to begin to discern what the Father's doing and, and see that the person really is answering that question, do you want to get well correctly? Because that's who the Father's going to be moving on. And then we need to see what God would have us do. Mercy is practical assistance. Feeling sorry for them isn't enough. We need to take an action. I like this. This is a quote from John Wesley. And he said this. Uh, most of you probably know this quote. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the places you can, at all times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. See, Wesley was saying, listen, you need to be ready to move into action when you see what the Father is doing. And, and, and then as, as we do what the Father's doing, he's going to meet us in the process. But again, we, we sometimes hesitate because then what we think is if we move into a situation that somehow then it's on us to fix all the problems. And here's what you, you realize pretty quickly. I, you know, I realize pretty quickly. Um, most problems are way bigger than I can handle. Most of the problems that people even come to me with are, are so much bigger than I can deal with that at some level it's like, okay, uh, it doesn't mean I'm not going to check in. It just means I can't fix this. 
in my natural abilities and with the natural resources that I have, most of the problems that sort of come to me are bigger than I can deal with. Does that mean I just go, well, sorry, there's nothing I can do? No, it, it doesn't. What, I, what we need to do is we need to see what the Father is up to and understand that only God can move into these situations and fix them. But what mercy does, mercy will step in with a kind word or a kind action or doing what you can do in the process. Sometimes what mercy required is, is that you, you just let somebody vent without judging them. That's mercy. You know, have you ever, have you ever noticed that people need to vent? Um, you, do you get that? That's what sometimes, sometimes people just need to vent. And the worst thing you can do is judge them for it. You just need to know they need to vent. And, and so mercy will let them vent and without judging in the process. Um, sometimes, maybe it's praying for a person. Look at your situations. I, I can't do anything about it, but I can pray for you, and, and I think that's probably even better than, than let's get God in involved, and he can open doors I can't even imagine it can be open. Maybe sometimes it's just letting someone sort of cry with you and just being there, just staying present in the moment, not trying to fix it, not trying to... Don't use cliches in those moments. Because uh, sometimes that's what we'll do. We, we try and think because it's uncomfortable. It's just going to be uncomfortable. That's okay. You can handle that. Just be uncomfortable. Some, words, a lot of times I think I don't have words for this situation. I got nothing. And if the Lord doesn't give me something, I don't want to toss a cliche out there to fill up the space. It's just okay. It's just miserable. I'll cry too. Whatever it looks like. But oftentimes, that's mercy. Mercy cares. It does something. It does something. In situations where people really do need help and want to get well and are willing to make changes. That's, that's what we're looking for. Here's the neat thing. Point three, um, what the Beatitude tells us is when you give mercy, you receive mercy. That's a great promise. Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I don't know about you, but I need lots of mercy. I need new mercies every morning, and then I need them shortly thereafter that, and shortly thereafter that, and shortly thereafter that. Come by lunch, I need a lot more mercies. If I make it through the afternoon, I need more mercies. I, I need mercy. Lots, lots of mercy heading in my direction. And we all do. See, we're a broken people living on a broken planet in a fallen world. So we, we need mercy, constant mercy. Heading in our direction. Psalm 136 is this neat psalm that's all about the incredible mercy of God. And repeated throughout this psalm is this phrase, for his mercy endures forever. And Psalm 136 was written and used as a responsive reading. And so the congregation would say those words in unison after each sentence, for his mercy endures forever. And the repetition... It's supposed to help those words sink in. And because we say them a lot together, that important lesson should sink into your life. So we're going to try this together, okay? And, uh, and so I, I just want to practice you. Your part is, for his mercy endures forever. On the count of three, I want you to do that, okay? One, two, three. Okay. <laughs> See, we don't do this much, so, so, so it's not great, but it wasn't bad, all right? So maybe it'll get better. So I'm going to read the verse, and you guys are going to do the response, okay? So here we go, Psalm 136. I'm going to read the first nine and the last four or five of them. 
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. To Him who alone does great wonders. To Him who by wisdom made the heavens. To him who laid out the earth above the waters. To him who made great lights. The sun to rule by day. The moon and stars to rule by night. Who remembered us in our lowly state. And rescued us from our enemies. Who gives food to all flesh. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. What was tonight's message about? (laughs) God's mercy includes aspects of love, kindness, and faithfulness. And we never have to worry that he'll run out of mercy because it flows from a well that never runs dry. His mercy endures forever. And this incredible, enduring mercy will allow us to stay present in the presence of God, to look for what the Father's doing, to act in love with people who deserve it. And as we do, that mercy flows back to us. And we need mercy each and every day. God is awesome. And his mercy endures forever. Amen? Amen. All right. We're going to end it up there. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much for spending time with us. We appreciate you doing that. We know how valuable your time is. Uh, If you need prayer, uh, please email us or write us or call us or whatever. And we will certainly pray for you and do whatever we can in that situation. But thank you for being involved. And uh, we'll get back together with you next time.